the Bones and Bobbins podcast is now on Patreon. Yay! Would you you like access to bonus episodes, digital extras, exclusive merch, and more? Join us at the Curiosity Shop at patreon.com backslash Bones and Bobbins. Yes, your generous support helps make the show happen and will also earn you our very eternal gratitude and entry into our private Patreon-only Facebook group. Which is where the party happens. And oh, by it's party, definitely I mean where the party happens. <laughs> also true. <laughs> In a dusty old shop, on a forgotten old street, you'll find two witches with books three boxes deep. Next to rusty old needles and faded red thread, you'll come in for yarn, but leave with pigments instead. Whether poisons or patterns, we're always discreet. Where creepy and crafty and morbidity meet. Welcome to the Bones and Bobbins podcast. So, hello, morbid makers. Hello again. <laughs> yes, you don't usually get the second uh, intro, but you are now. Yes. So we are your slightly creepy, mildly disconcerting, somewhat sinister, delightfully discomposed, opaquely odd, merrily morbid, and marvelously misanthropic, and slightly slap happy hosts. It's <laughs> true. And this is Bones and Bobbin season one, episode fourteen point five. That's right. A Halloween bonus episode on the oddities at the eighteen ninety three World's Fair Columbian Exhibition. Yeah. So I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors and the Very Serious Crafts Podcast. And I'm Natalie from Uber Dark Designs, an official murderino maker. So fancy, so fancy. So fun, so fun! Yay! Yay! So what's going on? I am the sleepy. I know, me too, because we started recording late and it's all my fault. It is fine. It was a very good cause. You had a very rough day yesterday. That is true. That is true. And I'm about to have another uh, evening like that. We're, we're trying to get this in before I have a panic attack. So okay. it, it's scheduled for later. Okay. <laughs> you can leave cool, that cool. in. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have to I tap out, you say the safe word, we're done. We <laughs> oh my gosh, this is why I love you. I love you. Um, so my kittens got fixed yesterday and I had um, an autistic meltdown and possibly up to three separate panic attacks about it since yesterday. The kittens, for their part, are largely unbothered and continue to be kittens, despite me really not wanting them to do kitteny things. So, yep. Anxiety, alas, cannot be reasoned with. Nope. Nope. Neither can autism. Lots, True. lots happening. So but I'm going to try not to do that today. Of shame. Oh my gosh, they're so cute. They're so cute. So, uh, so do you have any intro things to discuss? 
I don't, I don't know that I do. Or I am s- thinking, I am, I'm just excited about all of our bonus content. Yeah. Um, and the, just taking on, I, I, um, I already, when I opened the project in GarageBand, which is where I do the editing <laughs> and recording, I named it the H.H. Holmes Mega Mix. Which so, is very true. Oh my which goodness. I'm super excited. So I, um, yeah, I've loved, I've loved being able to do and cram and digest as much information about all of this. Um, so yeah, yeah, just happy to be here. Cool. I, I like it. Um, Me too. You know what see. else I like? I like what? all of our fantastic Curiosity Shop members over Ooh, on me Patreon. Too. Yeah. And I just want to say we love you, spooky friends. You're the best. And we would totally go trick-or-treating in unfamiliar neighborhoods with you. Yes, we would. And I think they get uh, one of my favorite bonus content things coming up. So you should possibly think about joining our Patreon so you can hear some of the fun stuff. Uh, yes. There's, um, it's a mega mix. It is. It, it is. It's a mega mix. Um, all right. So, I don't know where I am. Now I do. <laughs> da, da, da. Okay. Um, so, this is your Halloween bonus topic. Season one, episode 14 and a half. Yay! And... You already know, because Natalie already told you, that it's about the 1893 World's Fair Columbian Exhibition. So, let's talk about that, because it's it's quite a thing. Um, So I wanted to give you a little bit of background around the event that is basically the setting for almost everything we're talking about, and why... This was such a big deal at the time. And I mean, it's a big deal because it's dramatic, possible serial killer. Well, definitely serial killer. Uh, Technically the first serial killer in America. Oh. Yep, he is deemed the first American serial killer. And if you listen to our bonus content, possibly more than that. It's true. All right. So the Columbian Exhibition. Now I'm already rolling my eyes kind of (laughs) hard. I saw that. Um, Yeah. So it was also known as the Chicago World's Fair. And it took place from May 1st, 1893 to October 30th. 1893, which I would like to point out is less time than I personally have been stuck in quarantine. (laughs) So, um, indeed, New York City, man. All right. So, Chicago won the right to host the World's Fair over New York City, Washington, D.C., and St. Louis, among others. And The whole point of this particular World's Fair was to celebrate the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus's arrival in the New World. Mm -hmm. 
which was 1492. Yeah. So it seems that they were a year late. And also, boo! <clears throat> that was for Columbus. Yes. Um, there were 46 countries represented within the fair. And more than 27 million people attended in total throughout its entire run. Wow. Yeah, so that's a, it's a huge that's, amount. And That's a huge amount for anything, but for that time period? Yeah, like just think that's about a, that. That's And what wow. traveling would have required of Seriously. people. Seriously. Yeah. Like that's some steamboat shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Ocean liners. <laughs> yes, and so it also happened to end with a shocking crime, and that crime was not in any way related to H.H. H. Holmes. What? Yeah, right? Wow. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get into the visuals here. It was called the White City because... Shockingly enough, its 14 main buildings were largely white. It wasn't because, also shockingly enough, it was mostly about white people. Look at that. Yeah. Look at uh, that. Uh-huh. Um, and it contained about 200 temporary buildings, canals, and lagoons. And it was supposed to be the prototype of what the designers thought the city, or a an ideal city should be. And so I like could utopian. Go, what's that? So like utopian? Yeah. Well, I, I think I think both architecturally okay. and societally. It uh-huh. it was a combination <laughs> of things. Um, and I could take a deep dive into the people who designed the buildings and all of that and the architects and there was a lot going on there. But that would take up this entire bonus episode. So I'm going to leave that rabbit hole for you to go down if you would like. The White City was this beautiful, awe-inspiring, sparkling thing. And it would profoundly impact Chicago in many ways. Um... Specifically, by requiring the city's infrastructure, including things like sanitation and street cleanliness and um, sanitation being, you know, getting rid of uh, excrement. Um, Yep. The poop bucket. Yeah, street cleanliness (laughs) and even the eventual use of electricity and electrified trains. Um, All of those things would grow much faster than they otherwise would have without the fair. And also the hospitality industry was massively impacted because 27 million people attended this fair. Just think about what that would do for an economy. Right? At that time. Like, just, wow, yeah. Yeah. So... Now, oh, oh, so um, a few of the buildings do still stand today, 
but only a few because they weren't supposed to be permanent. They were erected right. specifically to last the fair. Um, and the fair would bring many single young women and transient workers to the city which is in the lore of the World's Fair and H.H. Holmes story. Yes. But I, I think there is significantly more evidence to be found, probably, that male transient workers were more of a danger specifically to female fairgoers than H.H. Holmes ever was. So, yeah. if you haven't listened to the previous episode, you should. That yes. will make much more sense. I have a copy of the official guidebook, which I think was a souvenir written okay. at the time period. But it's it's a weird book, let's just say, and I will link to it. <laughs> But it is called the official guidebook, so we're going with that. And it's definitely scanned and definitely okay. in period typeset with That's period fun. illustrations. So, yeah, so it's neat. It is very explicit, though, <laughs> that you shouldn't just go to the fair looking to have fun. In the introduction, it is... Um, stated that, quote, it is presumed at the outset that the great majority of visitors are those who seek to enlighten themselves regarding the progress which the world has made in the arts, sciences, and industries. Yes, okay. that's right. And it also has 10 suggestions for visitors, and this is why I think it was almost certainly really there at the time because it tells people what things should cost and oh, wow. um like what a handsome cab should cost when you arrive at a train station what transportation generally should cost oh wow um and what hotels should cost <laughs> and the variation that you yeah. could expect to pay. And so, just for an idea, um, a one-horse handsome cab to carry one or two passengers to any point would be probably 50 cents per mile or 75 cents per hour with 25 cents each additional quarter hour. Um, and then there are standard rates. This reminds me very much of, there are specific standard rates on taxis here in yeah. New York for yep. going to the airport. Um, oh. that is very much what this is. And so, um, it also says that hotel rates in Chicago proper range from $2 to $4 a day. Huh. For room, uh, and I believe, oh, um, and upward for especially fancy accommodations, 
four room only and they are one to three dollars per day for a room and board in a boarding house and so there are all of these different levels that they're speaking to and different socioeconomic levels and it really speaks of like the industrial age coming and the rise of the middle class it's definitely not talking to people with no means right but it is not specifically just catering to the wealthy. So anyway, right. I thought that that was interesting, but it, it also suggested suggests <laughs> suggests that before leaving home, you should arrange for lodgings either by addressing the Bureau of Public Comfort, Jackson Park, Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> Or through information from friends or from hotels mentioned in this guide. So, you're supposed to literally write to the city of Chicago. I would like a room, please. <laughs> anyway, I just, I thought that was pretty great. That's, I, can you imagine getting 27 million letters? No. Like, that's, uh, yeah. that was a boost to the post office then, too. Like everything. Exactly. And so here's where I'm going to roll my eyes again real hard. Okay. Also from the guidebook, it will be a universal Congress, which is no respecter of geographical boundary, race, color, party, or sex. All the nations of Europe are bound to cosmopolitan America by invisible but indissoluble ties. So yeah, um, universal. Just Europe. That would be Europe. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Yeah, just just white Europe. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. (laughs) And so to get into this fair, people would pay 50 cents for anyone over six years old but you would have to pay extra for the Eskimo and Cliff Dwellers exhibits. Yep, uh, just let that sink in for a moment. Uh, but, mm-hmm. okay. Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Yep. Although I, I will say that I am not entirely sure if these specific exhibits held people or if that was just... The related exhibits on the Midway. But there were definitely people. So just how problematic was this fair? So sit down, friends. I'm going to tell you about the (laughs) anthropological building. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) And specifically the foreign exhibits. Oh, God. All right. So the foreign exhibits section of the guidebook Enter or opens with the description that includes the following. British Guiana has sent a colony of the Arawak, excuse me, Arawak tribe of Indians who live in thatched huts in the outdoor exhibit. No. Yep. And then let's just dive right into the hell that is the Department of Ethnology. Um, that says, quote, there are canoes in plenty, and at various points, 
Through the lagoons, the curious visitor may occasionally see a stray Indian in aboriginal costume paddling among the electric launches and gondolas. Oh, for fuck's sake. People are not exhibits. People are not exhibits. Yes. The same. So there was also a general barring of any people of color from participating in the organization of the fair. Except Mm. for in the Midway itself, which boasted, quote, authentic villages of Samoans, Egyptians, Dahomans, Turks, African peoples, etc. Yes, um, it goes on and on. And these people were living their lives in public view as actual exhibits of the fair. It's not, that's not, it's not okay. No, (laughs) no. And I've seen, um, there is an exhibition on the Columbian exhibition in (laughs) Boston when I was there a couple years ago, I think. So I have seen a bunch of these things in person and photos of a bunch of these things and there was quote a tribe of pygmy peoples oh man um there were a lot of really 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 problematic things happening for the entertainment of largely white people of means so So that is a thing. Um, The women's building also had their own super fun installations of racism called... Oh. Yeah. One was called um, Afro-American, just that, and it had its uh, a little corner. And another one was called... (sighs) This one hurts. uh, Women's... Or Women's Work in Savagery. No. Yeah. These oh were items made by indigenous, indigenous peoples. Yeah. Fucking colonizers. And they were being framed as like history and the forebearers of what white women would make great. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. so, so fuck them a whole lot. A whole lot. A yeah. whole lot. But there was also a lot of weird gender things happening where women fought for the right to have a building that had competitive exhibitions on par with the male buildings. Okay. So it's... There, there are some some things that I'm like, oh, hell yes. And many more things that I'm like, oh, God, did you have to? So it's, as history often is, complicated and things being utterly, indescribably not okay. And also things that were positive do exist at the same time uncomfortably yeah and 
that is, well, most of history and definitely most of white people colonizing shit history. Seriously, like white women fought for a building yeah. for themselves and then were like, hey, here's a little corner for you. Yeah, see also like, the right to vote. Right. That, I was say, that also I was a movement. thing that white women yeah. uh, elected not to involve women of color in. Oh, we have done a lot of fucked up shit. Yeah, I'm yeah, really yeah. sorry. Yeah, well, um, we asked them to wait in in the voting <laughs> thing. So anyway, um, <laughs> you should buy my book, Feminist Cross Stitch. <laughs> 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 I'm starting that. to root for Holmes. Oh my gosh! Right. Um, so I, I'm I'm kidding about the book yes. thing. I, it is. I'm true not. That Go I, get it. It's amazing. It is true that I did write about it, but there are other women's books, specifically women of color, that you should buy way before you buy mine. All right. So anyway. Now that I've pitched that fit, <laughs> we're going to have a slightly lighter note. It really wouldn't be an episode if I w- if we weren't yelling, fuck the patriarchy or fuck colonization or fuck them both at one point. It's true. It's true. So the galleries in the agricultural building were a apparently built to represent present-day Brooklyn because they contained a wool exhibit, an apiary with working bee colonies, (gasps) a dairy, a brewery. Yes. Um, So, yeah, Williamsburg, Brooklyn has got you covered in that all of them literally all of them i could be wrong but i think this is the year that paps blue ribbon was oh i'm getting there there. okay see because you know like chicago people don't understand how close to chicago milwaukee is it's like an hour 20 hour 30 it's super close so we i spent i've spent a ton of time in chicago um just in life and so. I, I am, there will be uh, a salute to <laughs> PBR nice. in just a moment. Nice, nice. So, yes. There was also a statues of I the ideal man and woman, the ideal American man and woman that were created by a Harvard professor after he took over 60 measurements each from 25,000 American subjects. I have seen these in person. It's, I mean, the, 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 the work put in is impressive, but I'm not sure that I'm down for, like, any one representation of an ideal human. I mean, let's just go ahead and assume that the 25,000 Americans were not representative of... Oh, they were all white. <laughs> of the overall population. Right. At the time, right. yes. yes. Um, 
And I've seen them. They are extremely white. I've seen the actual statues that were there. Wow. Um, and they... Well, they look exactly how you think they would look. Exactly. Does the woman at least have some, like, hips on her? Um... Were we already, like... No, well, it, she has a modest-sized bust. Okay. Um, all right, so you know that picture of my butt that I sent you earlier today? <laughs> That's a nice ass, though. <laughs> she doesn't look unlike that in, right. like, sort of physical structure, but she's on a larger scale than me. Okay. So she's not quite hourglass. She's got slimmer hips, but not no hips. Um, she she does have butt and she has a little bit of thigh, but not a lot of thigh. So she isn't skinny, but she also isn't, she's not normal. She's not robust, good birth and hips, hardy Uh, Midwestern gal. (laughs) No, she's not hardy. Um, but she's, but she's strong, I, I would say. And so is the man, like, if you think a little bit about Atlas. Oh. <laughs> that's, but you know okay. how, like, 1940s and 50s weightlifters, or even, I yes. guess, 1800s weightlifters, like, you With get really it. big old handlebar mustache. <laughs> yeah, but they yeah. also aren't, like, carrying a six-pack. No. Their ribs stick out more. Usually, yeah. right? Yeah, and like, like they're they're just not ripped. Like they're yeah. strong, but they're not ripped. Uh, so this this was very much. I I don't. They were naked, yeah, but it very much oh, looked wow. like he ought to be. Well, they were covered in strategically with leaves. Um, oh. If I remember ah, Adam, properly, some Adam and Eve action. Or maybe just he was covered. I can't remember. Um, There was a leaf involved. Um, Because I wanted to know what that one was. Right? And I cannot remember if that was in the data when I looked. Because the data was also on display. Anyway, the point is, um, I've seen them and they, they look... Not as weird as you would expect them to look, but they also don't look real. They look very uncanny valley. Okay. Um, so, uh, I did not intend to spend that much time on statues of <laughs> American man and woman. Um, so, I derailed you. electricity was also just starting to happen right now in, in the world. And so there was an electricity building and electricity lit the fair and powered the motors and the railways. And apparently the devices that were used to manipulate the flashlights that were on top of the towers that were the highest Mm -hmm. points of the fair, um, they were used to change their positions and such. And they were thought at the time to be the most 
delicate electrical mechanisms that had ever been produced. That must have just been amazing to see. Yeah. Just going from, you know, from just not having, I mean, just the first time you experience yeah. something like that. And so, um, it was like a, I'm picturing like a basic joystick, almost, mm-hmm. um, but apparently it was very, very cool, and it was, quote, the most marvelous, or, well, one of the most marvelous pieces of electrical mechanism yet produced by delicate switch machinery. The operator throws the light to any altitude or at any angle he may desire. And that's from the guidebook. And I just, I thought that was cool. Like a, It is cool. Like, can you imagine if you have never seen anything right. like that before can you imagine being the person operating it right like you would feel it's magic it's just magic yeah, at that point you Be- would because feel it's so far in advance yeah you would feel like a magician i am quite sure or like a witch um they had those <laughs> i don't remember when i talk about them but um, <laughs> yes i i don't know if it's in this episode forgive me my brain is scrambled all right, so they also had a fisheries building, which contained what might be my favorite thing that I've heard of. It contained an anemone grotto, you know, like sea anemones. Yeah. And that sounds delightful. Yes, Like I am there for that. And they, they had a lot of things called fill-in-the-blank grotto, and I'm just there for that. Um, yes. But th- there were also live sharks. Apparently, oh, wow. they attempted to have a live whale, but were like, what? slow your roll. <laughs> yeah, where are you going to put that? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, here are the witches. Um, Yay! So, uh, there was also a forestry building that had a handmade broom area, a yes. lichen display. Um, wait, how do we say that in English? Lichen? Okay. Mm. And succulents and 18,000 orchids <gasps> here for that mm-hmm. so here for that you know what else you're going to be here for what the wine exhibit that had an ornamental wine fountain that threw jets of real wine into the I sky literally just sit there with my mouth open <laughs> yeah and there was also a decoration of building section of I think the forestry building that was just a gigantic display of decorative plant and flower work. And I, for one, want to know what Victorian messages those flowers were displaying because they would almost have to be. So it wasn't mentioned. But uh, so in the machinery hall... There were jacquard looms, which were weaving portraits of prominent men on silk. Jesus. Because, <laughs> um, of course. Yeah. There was an entire exhibit of sewing machines, including some that were operated um, by 
pedaling them as one would operate riding a bicycle, um, nice. which would guide an electric motor to sew a carpet as it moves Ooh. along. Um, keep in mind, these machines were men's machines at this oh, time, okay. and they also weren't very good at making them. Um, <laughs> there were also machines for sewing, somewhat confusingly to me, wood. Um, what? Uh, and leather with okay. wire thread. And okay. some specimens were apparently fine enough to be used for a kid glove. So, I mean, huh. I don't know that I believe you. But, okay. I, like, I, I, weird I flex, but okay. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely weird flex. Um, another interesting exhibit that I thought was um, knitting and cloth cutting machines which at some point we're going to have to do a whole episode on because there were self fitting cutting machines that like you could make a shirt waist to your exact size they were self sizing oh we do we do and and H&M just launched an entire program where you can bring in one of your used clothing items it unravels it and and relooms it into something else Cool. To help to help with fast fashion, so definitely. I love it. Ah, here are, again, the witches. So, the mines and mining building was probably where you would find all of the Victorian witches because they had thousands of specimens of rocks and minerals on display. Yes. From just all over. And many of them were polished, like, gemstone materials and so that must have been awesome right yes and now just a few fun facts harry houdini and his brother performed there he had a brother who knew uh yeah i think his name was thomas but maybe not (laughs) (laughs) um the first ferris wheel was there and it was the thing like it it was the main holy shit of the fair. Um, the first fully electric kitchen, with including an automatic electric dishwasher, was on Whoa. display there, which seems so much earlier than I would have thought. Seriously. Um, the brownie was invented there. Nice. I'm a firm believer in a brownie. Yeah. Um, if you visited the Louisiana Pavilion, you got to take home a cypress tree seedling. And Ooh. so there are tons of cypress trees in certain areas of the South where people would go home and plant them and they would thrive in those areas. So there's a bunch of random cypress trees in like the Carolinas, That's I amazing. think, and stuff that are Chicago World's Fair cypress trees. That's amazing. Isn't that cool? Like, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And airports everywhere can thank the World's Fair for moving walkways. Which I hate. I hate those. (laughs) I hate them a lot. Um, And I personally have the Chicago World's Fair to thank for Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer, without which (laughs) my college experience would have been vastly different. 
possibly more memorable, technically, (laughs) but definitely less fun. Yes. Yes. PBR. PBR by the pitcher. Oh, man. (laughs) Imagine me (laughs) drinking straight straight from the pitcher. Yeah. Um, I love it. And uh, those who cannot imagine me are encouraged to go look at photos of me inside the skeleton box. <laughs> For reference, um, the skeleton being the skeleton that I purchased, and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you should definitely head to Instagram. You need to get it together. Yeah. And there's also my very favorite souvenir, which was the Colombian egg needle case and darny egg. And it oh. is my number one antiquing white whale. White whale. Yes. Um, Understandably so. Yeah. Before we get on to how this shit all came crashing down, um, <laughs> another fun fact, just to throw it in there because I, I like it, um, the Singer Featherweight Sewing Machine, which is something I happen yes. to collect, debuted at the next Chicago's World Fair in 1934. And mine, uh, my oldest one, is a 1936. So, nice. yes. Also, one of my favorite things is the fact that there is a 1,500-pound statue a Venus de Milo carved out of chocolate. <laughs> yes. Because art and chocolate. That makes oh, me I'm happy. I'm so hungry for chocolate right now. <laughs> and I'm never hungry. No, you need to eat. No, I things. do need to eat. Stupid pandemic. Ah, mental health, kids. Take care of it. Yes. Um, all right. So how it ended. Yes. Instead of um, there being a closing ceremony, there was a public memorial service for the assassinated mayor. What? Yes. So it ended with Mayor Carter Harrison Sr., who was very, very popular, being assassinated by Patrick Eugene Prentergast just two days before the fair was scheduled to end. Um, Just as an aside, unshockingly, there was a head injury involved in Prendergast's youth, um, because that tends to be a thing that exists in very questionable killers' backgrounds. Um... And Prentergast himself suffered delusions that, uh, many delusions, but specifically that the mayor would appoint him to a post, a specific post, if the mayor was reelected. And the mayor was reelected to, I believe, a non consecutive fifth term. Um, but the mayor didn't have any idea about this particular delusion of Prentergast or his <laughs> requirement or expectation to hire this dude. So when the mayor unsurprisingly didn't appoint Prentergast to the position that Prentergast was expecting, Prentergast showed up at his house and shot him three times in the chest while he was um, just waking up from a nap on his couch. 
That'll leave a mark. Oh, it certainly did. And so the mayor was mortally wounded, and Prentergast still had the gun in his possession when police finally caught up to him later that evening. And Prentergast would later die by hanging for this murder. Um, it was not, however, done the old school public way at the closing ceremony of the fair, which it might have done, say, 200 years earlier. Uh, so, like I said, instead of a closing ceremony, the fair held a public memorial service for the mayor instead. Damn. And I haven't personally ever been to a World's Fair, but I've been to the grounds, or, well, to be fair, the ruins of the 1964 New York City World's Fair, which took place at Flushing Meadows Corona Park in Queens. And several very creepy pieces still exist there, including the Astro Towers, which are exactly what you would picture from space age architecture. Um, they're extremely creepy, and they look like UFOs. Like um, the Jetsons house? Yeah, they're also... Well, there is... <laughs> uh, so, there has also long been a mystery surrounding the fate of an underground home that oh. was a an attraction at the park, and it was, like, part of a fad. It, it was... Yeah. For... End of the world underground homes. Oh my gosh. Bunkers, yeah. The atomic bomb, atomic age, all of the things. So there was a mid century modern underground home with courtyards and shit like fully nice. built underground. And it has long been suspected that it. It's still there, but it was just buried. Oh, wow. And... Let's dig it up. <laughs> well, that mystery has been solved because the New York Public Library ain't nothing to fuck with. And right. it keeps all the receipts. All of them. Should I say how that was resolved? Yes. Or should I just let people look it up? All right, so it was demolished. Aww. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, there is paperwork in collections at the New York Public Library showing each section of demolition, when it happened, and the certification that demolition had finished in 1966. However, it's not really clear what demolition meant and so mm. there have been a few people who have either with permission or not gone out to where it was and there's clearly an indentation where it was and have stuck things into the ground that stopped about four and a half feet down oh so there's definitely something down there uh many people think that it may just be that the building itself was demolished, the but the foundation was, was left, and yeah. they just filled that in. 
And I personally think that's probably true, but it's way more fun to think there is a complete 1964 underground home just chilling in Queens. That's a pretty awesome thought. Yeah. So, that would be a little uh, hop, skip, and jump around the 1893 World's Fair and several other World's Fair fun facts. I love it! And that brings us to the Halloween bonus weekly worst way to die! Oh, God! What's what's your worst way? Oh. Well, bees. Bees escaping (laughs) from the apiary. Oh, God. Oh, God. The bees. The bees are (laughs) everywhere. The bees have escaped. Oh, God. That's a pretty bad way to die. So, mine, for some reason... I don't know why, but every time I hear yeah. the term World's Fair, I think of hot air balloons. Not entirely certain where the yeah, connection comes from. But uh, they fucking terrify me. Like, they're beautiful to look at, but I cannot, in my brain, comprehend why somebody would want to go into a picnic basket suspended in the air by a giant balloon that's being just but the fire and it's so high up and the things and the no i've been the in no oh they scare me i just i just yeah. remember looking up at the fire the whole time and that's i that's what i would do i was i would lay on the ground of the basket so i couldn't see over and i would just look up that would I be wasn't the only way that i think that i to see that I over could, the basket like, get over yeah so hot air balloon accident. That's that. Yeah, just... I don't know if there were hot air balloons. I there may have been, and if there were, yeah. Ugh. I don't. I and don't I don't know do where heights. that connection comes from. I but also yeah, don't no. do things that can't glide. Right, like they're just. It seems so very unsafe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just, nothing about that seems like fun to me. No, so, so yeah, it's not hot being... air balloon accident. Yeah. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Yes. So, do you want to be extra spooky Halloween internet friends with us? Halloween? Halloween. Like it. it sounds like a dance. <laughs> Halloween? Nope, that's Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I knew the words. Um, uh, Halloween. Uh, yeah, I just don't Alouette. know the actual words. I only know what they sound like, and I'm sure I will say something. <laughs> That I don't mean to say. Um, That's my job. If you want to listen to all of my horrible enunciatings of the things, uh, you can find us at Bones and Bobbins on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Or are you going to swing on by our regular old website at bonesandbobbins.com? Indeed. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast. It pleases the internet gremlins, and that's how we show up in recommendations so that other morbid souls can find us. Bring us the morbid souls! Yes! And on that note, let us leave you with some advice that you should never, ever forget. Wear your mask. And don't take candy from strangers. Yay! All right. Each episode of the Bones and Bobbins podcast is written and researched by Haley Pearson Cox and Natalie Hoyce. Our music was composed by Loyalty Freak Music. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Bones and Bobbins. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, 
follow us on Spotify, or check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts so you won't miss a minute of our strange and creepy content.